The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to hear some marketing wisdom from a friend and peer of mine from my days running the marketing department at an early stage startup. Joining us is Pedro Sanchez de Lozada, who is the CEO of Canid, which is a vaccine management solution for pediatricians to be able to focus on the children while Canid does the rest. And today, Pedro and I are going to talk about building awareness in the SMB market. All right, on with my conversation with my old friend, Pedro Sanchez de Lozado, CEO of Candid. Pedro, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you. I'm glad you got all the names right. I know it's tough for people sometimes. Can I do it like <laughs> you scored a goal in soccer? Pedro Sanchez de Lozado. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Pedro, just to set the context for everybody, we worked together at Rinse, the last actual J-O-B that I had. I was running the marketing department, and I would call you the Swiss Army Knife. You were in operations for a little while. You were tasked with working in the marketing department to cover up all of my many faults and pitfalls, and you were kind of the data miner, scientist, engineer, jack-of-all-trades. What the hell do you do? I mean, they always called it at Rinse, they called it the special ops, which made me sound really fucking cool. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. You're like MacGyver. Yeah, exactly. You think about the Navy SEAL of the operation, just the guy who'll figure it out. The Navy <laughs> SEAL of the keyboard. <laughs> I always I call myself that. I don't know if others would agree, but hey, I'll take it. Well, you're a man of many talents, and I know that you went from working with me at Rinse, and then what was the next company that you worked for? Remind me. Merlin. Merlin. Uh, tell me what Merlin did. Merlin was a marketplace for job search that specifically focused on high volume, low skill job searches. So things like a restaurant trying to find a waiter and having people leave. It actually, interestingly enough, one of the things that really attracted me was the times in which we saw that same issue at Rinse, right? Because we would try to hire a lot of drivers for our dry clean operations and people would come and go and they had other priorities and it was tough. And so we needed to have high volume hiring and there really wasn't anything that could help us do that outside of Craigslist, which is just such a terrible experience for both the seekers and the, the employers. So that's what Marilyn set out to build and to change, to make it so that we could 
capture that piece of high volume, low skill recruiting in the blue collar space and go from there. So you went from working for Merlin doing high volume recruiting and, and now your role on with the theme of the jack of many trades. You're working in vaccine management, something that seems very timely in this day and age. <laughs> How in the F did you get into that business? At the beginning of the pandemic, I started to talk to a lot of medical professionals who were really kind of struggling. And this is part of an interest of mine that I've always had to go to medicine. I, I actually started a business, not too much success, but at least, you know, check the box in some ways in the medical space back in 2013. And I've always wanted to go back to it because there's always something super fascinating about how the healthcare system is broken in the U.S. and how there's a lot that we can do. And what we started to see was that there was a huge need, right? We started to talk to a lot of, you know, my mom, she's a pediatric gynecologist, uh, her colleagues, gynecologists, pediatricians, they were in a huge need for a lot of different technology and to kind of revamp their office space for a digital world. But the things that I had become accustomed to in the tech world that were kind of like, oh, you know, there's a solution for this and there's a solution for that just weren't really there in many situations. And if they were, they were kind of subpar. And it made it so that the administration of a pediatric practice, for example, was really, really challenging. And when we start kind of double clicking into that and what that exactly means, one of the things we found out was that vaccine management was particularly challenging. It was something that a lot of other types of doctors, right? If you talk to a cardiologist, they couldn't care less about vaccine management, at least not until this latest pandemic. Pandemic? What are you talking about? Yeah. Something that I heard on the news a couple of days ago. Yeah. But anyway, so what we found out was that this was a very unsupported space that needed a lot of help from technology, from like financial instruments. There was a lot of other ideas that were being built in other spaces that you could bring into vaccine management and do a much better job. And when I talk about vaccine management, I don't necessarily mean COVID. I think COVID has happened to be something that is obviously top of mind for everybody, but there's so much to be done with just how kids' vaccines are managed. You have kids, right? You had to give your kids shots, I don't know how many times, but I'm sure like 20, 30, or how many appointments did you have? It feels like a million, but yeah. <laughs> there you go. And so every single time that happens, there's a lot of work to be done on the pediatrician side, on the parent side, there's education, there's costs, right? And so all of those things need a lot of support and cause a lot of headaches in pediatrics. So we set out to fix that. Of course, COVID is a really big piece of that right now, but our goal is not to just stop there. Our goal is to go everywhere and help with the pediatric practices. So A, what you're doing is honorable, and obviously you might not have got into this as a COVID-related field, but I'm sure that it affects your business. Your timing is incredible, but it's also something that's very necessary when you think about the marketing perspectives for working in healthcare, you know, I think of this, you can kind of look at it a couple of ways. There's the enterprise level players, the Sutter Healths, the, you know, uh, Blue Shields and Blue Cross and Kaisers of the world, right? You can sell in at an enterprise level, or you can do the hand-to-hand -hand combat of working with the individual practitioners, right? More of a small, medium-sized business approach. With Canon, are you working with the enterprise companies to help them establish better record keeping and management systems, or are you trying to help the thousands of doctors that potentially need some support? So we're very focused on the little guy here. And 
it comes from a fundamental belief of why I think there's a lot of problems in healthcare where we do see these kind of like monolithic organizations that do everything and shake the market like the Sutter Healths of the world, right? And what ultimately happens is that when those become too powerful, right, too strong, they can just basically set the price at whatever they want. And we see that. I think you might see this in Sutter Health specifically, like they recently settled on a suit which sued them for anti-competitive practices and there's way more to come there. There's way more happening there. But if you think about it from an economics perspective, it's because you've got a lot of people trying to get services from one person and they can't just say, I don't want healthcare. That just doesn't happen. And so the healthcare guy has a huge incentive. It's a similar problem with the public utilities, but you're focused on the SMB market. So let's talk a little bit about that. When you're thinking about marketing, you know, for you, it's in healthcare. So there's an extra level of complexity, but fundamentally you're reaching out to thousands of individual practitioners. What's your approach to reaching the small business market? What's your approach to your marketing strategy and what's worked for you? One of the things that I think a lot of people are maybe a little scared of is the hand-to-hand combat themselves. I see this in founders when I talk to other founders who are thinking, okay, how do I find out whether people are going to like my product? Well, how about you call them and then ask them, are you going to like my product? Well, don't do it like that exactly. But I think that's a really important piece. Even that's better than nothing. (laughs) And that's how we found out that this was a market in the first place, right? We started to call people and be like, hey, do you need X? And they didn't need that. And they showed us the door and that sort of thing. And then when we started to get an idea to have traction, which was this vaccine, and people would be like, wow, this is really interesting. That's when we started to figure out, oh, wait, this could actually be a real business. And so I think it's like taking that iterative approach to product development is really important, but also not being afraid to just talk to your customer. So there's a product component to this, right? When you're approaching the SMB market, The beauty of being in a market where there is lots of potential customers, right, when you're down market, is that you can get lots of feedback. When you're working on an enterprise-focused business, it's a little hard to go to the CEO of Sutter Health and say, well, I'm thinking about creating a healthcare business. What are some of your problems? He's probably a little, he or she, is probably a little busy, and as much as your reputation at rinse should precede you, you might not be getting that call. That's not a problem. It does with you. I don't know about the CEO of Sutter. (laughs) Well, you know, you can go into a small pediatrician's office more likely and get in front of somebody that is going to have a conversation with you, right? Just because of the sheer volume. Now, you know, you figure out what your need is, try to establish some product market fit. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX. 
Your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Then you've got problems like building awareness. You've got problems about driving conversions. Talk to me about how you think of once you figured out what your product and service is, how do you get people into and down your funnel? One of the things that we've seen at all of the companies, even rents, right? To some extent, when we were bringing in laundry people was the local component was really powerful and actually like understanding how the local environment works. So one of the things, for example, that we do is understand who are the big or like most renowned players in a local geographical area and try to talk to them. So there's an example of a couple conglomerates that we've started to have conversations with, like Allied Physicians Group and the independent pediatrician conglomerates of Long Island. But these are organizations that other physicians know about. And so because they know about them, there's a little bit of like a FOMO when you bring them up, right? And it's almost like, oh, okay, you're talking to them. Like, maybe I should talk to them. On the other side, you have an understanding of who like local community members are, for example, we are trying to get and have a conversation with Suffolk County government. Why is Suffolk County government important? I mean, they're in charge of Suffolk counties, and this is like the half of Long Island, basically. So it's like a few, it's like about an hour away from the center of the city in New York. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's accessible for us, but they're also in charge of the COVID vaccine rollout. So if we can get on the right side with them, we understand what their local community is going through, and we can actually be pushing towards more favorable conditions for the pediatricians that we're working with around COVID, right? And so using that local component has been really strong for us to, as a smaller business, right? Because we don't have the reputation to be able to go to Cuomo and be like, hey, Cuomo, give us vaccines, right? But we might have the ability to get in the door with that small business right now. What I'm hearing from a general marketing perspective is that when you're thinking about approaching an SMB business, obviously you can do some customer research a little bit easier, understand what's going to be a better fit for your market and kind of cut the line when it comes to product market fit. But when it comes to building awareness, there are some challenges there because the markets that you're going to be reaching out are disaggregated, right? You've got thousands of players across thousands of markets. So there is a piecemeal approach that, you know, you're talking about here, Pedro, that we applied at Rinse, which was, let's tackle one market at a time. Let's look at going back to our days working for Rinse, the laundry and dry cleaning delivery startup. We were focused on building the market in San Francisco. And so building awareness in a smaller region, San Francisco is a big city, but it was a different challenge, right? We can go instead of trying to say, okay, we need television advertising and radio campaigns, which can be very expensive to things like local transportation. Also, you mentioned partnerships, like establishing relationships with people that are seen as credible within that market, but are a little bit more accessible than in your case, the Sutter Healths of the world. 
Now, once you've established those, let's call them capstone partnerships, hey, we've got a relationship with the biggest people in our region. Then there's the problem of the disaggregated rest. Great. A quarter of the market you could tackle with one relationship. But then there's a thousand pediatricians or maybe a hundred pediatricians in the rest of Long Island who are not associated with this conglomerate. What's the strategy for going around and talking to each one of those businesses? I think it's a combination. On one side, there's a lot of hand-to-hand combat, and that's almost like a rite of passage. You have to do it. It's really important. You have to be calling and emailing and running LinkedIn campaigns, which, by the way, in the healthcare space, LinkedIn campaigns work really well. But one of the things that I think about when I think about that specifically is kind of like building the flywheel of people talking about you. And that takes a little bit of time, right? And it takes a little bit of investment, especially with the first few people. And we're also lucky that we're in a place that right now everyone's talking about. So when someone talks about the vaccine, this literally happened to me this morning where I reached out to a friend of mine who connected with another friend of mine and they both were in a meeting together this morning and they were like, oh, we were talking about you today, right? And we're thinking about building a partnership with you. If you find a way to become part of the conversation between businesses, that actually becomes a really, really strong tailwind, right? That's not always easy, right? Like we have obviously like a really strong tailwind to be that, but I think you got to find a way to make it so that you come up. Yeah, I think that it goes back to the basic blocking and tackling of marketing where you need credibility. And sometimes your partnerships, like you mentioned, can build instant credibility. Hey, we're doing vaccine management and we have a relationship with the Long Island Pediatricians Union Organization of Long Island. And if that's a well-known organization, then maybe a smaller provider is going to be like, okay, instant credibility, I'm engaged. We do this with our outreach for sponsor outreach for the MarTech podcast. You know, hey, we're from the MarTech podcast. We've got the biggest podcast for the MarTech community. Here's our ratings. And here's some of who our sponsors have been. And it's like, okay, well, MailChimp and Intercom and CallRail and these companies that marketers have heard of. If they're going to invest their dollars, maybe I should. Now, that helps you bridge the gap, but it sounds like the hand-to-hand combat is really essentially, I don't know if it's email outreach, you said you were using LinkedIn, but it's a direct communication, right? It is not a driving someone through social media advertising. You did mention LinkedIn, but talk to me through the outreach strategy. Just to be clear on LinkedIn, it's not me running LinkedIn ads. It's me reaching out to people on LinkedIn. So that same hand-to-hand combat, just in a different medium. Now, there's scale problems with that. I can go reach out to every potential podcast sponsor. You can go reach out to every pediatrician in Long Island, but you probably can't reach out to every pediatrician across the United States, and you definitely can't reach out to every pediatrician in the world from your personal LinkedIn account. So talk to me about some of the ways that you think about scaling your outreach strategies, if this is something that you got to so far. This is actually something that we thought about a lot at Merlin, because we had this similar market. Restaurants and retail stores have that same level of hand-to-hand combat. So scaling that was obviously a challenge. And I think it really comes down to kind of nailing it down to a formula and like a formulaic approach to how you do the outreach in general. So setting up a structure, a cadence of connecting with people and then making it so that you can build that cadence into some sort of technology. So we used, for example, outreach 
as a big piece of leverage on our time with all the manual steps at, at Merlin, where we would essentially look at the text that we were sending and the emails that we were sending and the LinkedIn requests that we were sending to try and understand how we can make those more effective and how we can maybe reorder them or change their cadence to improve more at a scientific level. Like if you actually want to evaluate the performance of a sales team kind of. And that was really interesting to get to a point of scale. Now, what I will say is that I think you'd be remiss to go all the way in the direction, right? I think if you become too formulaic, you basically end up losing out on what really gets you the convergence, which is that human-to-human connection. And one of the things that we care about a lot, at least at Canid, is thinking about how do we actually make sure that we bring across that we understand what they're going through. Now, we're pretty lucky in that pediatricians all over the country look fairly similarly in terms of their financials. And there's like variability here or there, but it's predictable, right? If I know how many physicians you have in your office, I can tell you how many vaccines you're giving every month. So because of that, we're able to kind of create some really interesting customization and really interesting understanding of how they deal with their business. And it's the same thing, you know, when we were talking about restaurants and retail stores, right? If I know that you're a 40 person, you maybe serve 100 customers a night or whatever, then we might be able to estimate how many waiters are you having? And because of some standard turnover, how many waiters do you have to hire every month? That's the key to really going deep into building that human connection while still making it scalable. Honestly, like it's understanding your customer, but then also being able to kind of extrapolate your understanding of that customer into a real outreach strategy. I think that the reality of working in the SMB market is that you've got a lot of people that you could reach out to and you need to be able to prioritize them because not all pediatrician businesses look the same. There are some networks that are going to be larger. There's independent practitioners that are going to be potentially less valuable to your business just based on the amount of volume. Every business working in SMB is going to have this problem. You were working in restaurants. There are restaurant chains that are regional, and then there are independent restaurants. And the strategy for doing that outreach can be very formulaic. And my advice is when you're working on the smaller relationships, you don't have to do as much custom outreach. If you're working on a larger relationship, then you want to think about actually reaching out personally. So when you're going through your outreach process in the SMB market, Yes, you got to build some credibility, show that you have some proof and a track record to be able to support the business, be able to get your pitch down right. And then you're modifying that pitch, doing your outreach, whether it's through email, LinkedIn, whatever social media channel you feel is appropriate based on your industry, but you're going to be customizing that for the bigger players. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Pedro Sanchez de Lozada, the CEO of Canid. In part two of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Pedro and I are going to go in the Wayback Machine. We're going to talk about some acquisitions, some startup horror stories. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Pedro, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is PSanchezDL. That's P-S-A-N-C-H-E-Z, the letter D, the letter L. Or you could visit his company's website, which is canid.io, C-A-N-I-D.io. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com. 
where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is MartechPod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.